This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School. This is Knowledge at Wharton on Business Radio. Here's your host, Dan Loney. Well, the visit to the United States by Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi is being watched by many people, the public, the media, and possibly the U.S. government. And if the latter is not, then probably they should. Obviously, they will with because of meetings between Mr. Modi and President Obama. Uh, Professor uh, Jugmoran Raju is a professor of marketing, executive director of Wharton's co-sponsorship of the India School of Business. He's also a host on Marketing Matters here on Sirius XM 111. He joins us in the studio. And also with us on the phone is Devesh Kapoor, who is the director of the Center for Advanced Study of India at the University of Pennsylvania. We welcome them both here to the show. And uh, I guess, Professor Raju, we'll start with you. What are we reading into this visit uh, with Prime Minister Modi uh, here uh, at the U.S. and in, in here in his homeland in terms of the importance that, that we see with this? I think this visit is uh, equally important for both India and the U.S. I think the U.S. has a lot to gain from uh, partnering with India. It's the largest democracy in the world. The U.S. is the oldest democracy in the world. And uh, India, in some sense, stands between today communism and terrorism. So it's, I think, great to have a partnership with India from the U.S. side. And India can gain a lot from the U.S. India needs uh, defense. India needs to improve its manpower. And I think uh, there are lots of opportunities for partnership. Devesh, as uh, Professor Raju just mentioned, that that India does play a very important role in terms of its location when we're talking about terrorism and, and we're talking about uh, and we're talking about a variety of different topics across the world. Uh, yes. Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm not sure what your question is. I wanted to get your comment on the importance of India's place in, in terms of uh, the globe with terrorism and communism, and uh, because they do play an important role in this. Yeah, I think. Uh you know, I mean, in, in, in general, if we see that the 21st century, sort of Asia in general, will play a, a sort of key role, and that right now is being led by China, and there is a sense that India is likely to be part of that in growth story. So it's not just vis-a-vis terrorism, but it's also the strategic role that India could or is likely to play within a very changed context across Asia. Professor Raju, what what kind of financial implications are are we talking about here? Because obviously there's trade, uh, which is a a big factor in this as well. Absolutely. I think um, as far as the U.S. defense industry is concerned, India is a big buyer and would like to buy more. There's a lot to be gained from that. India needs uh, power. Uh, President Bush visited India a few years ago, and uh, some uh, arrangements were set together to have some nuclear power uh, in India from the U.S. side. So India is going to be a big consumer of uh, many of the things that U.S. has to offer. But I think just as important, 
there's also a big consumer market in india and you know history has taught us that uh, power goes wherever the buying power goes yeah. uh, and uh, you know historically i think professor kapoor is right uh, the power might shift to asia and it it probably will mainly because buying power will shift to asia so this is obviously this is not a one way street in terms of the interest uh mainly going from the us to india this is this is both sides seeing that there is a, a definite need to work with each other and make this relationship grow i think so yeah i think absolutely how did we get to this point of of the relationship being a little strained and and not being all that it possibly could I think it goes back many years and Professor Kapoor is a you know political science professor he may want to say more about it but uh, the US uh, had a policy of being aligned with uh, Pakistan and uh, Pakistan and India had been uh, somewhat at odds with each other and India at at one point in time took you know uh, had to then go with uh, then the USSR but I think things have changed a lot since then I think the two countries have come a lot closer together there's a lot of indians who live in the us uh, i think they've helped out as the prime minister said in his speech in establishing better relationships between the two countries and i think it's it's essentially a business relationship yeah. now uh professor kapoor uh, it's interesting that a lot was made about uh prime minister modi's appearance at Madison Square Garden the other day almost in some respects like it was a political rally what did you take from from him appearing in that venue well i think two very different messages i mean one is you have to put it in the context of the fact that you know in in 2005 the us had revoked his visa and uh, he was not allowed to enter the US so within less than a decade you see a person who was not allowed to enter the US making a very strong political signal there were i think uh, 35 US congressmen senators and governors at the event but the event i think was also a way for the indian american community to signal to the US political establishment in the sense that it too has arrived and for it to pay greater attention to these to this uh you know rapidly growing and very wealthy part of the US population so devesh this was this move now with president obama meeting with prime minister modi obviously there is political and and financial ramifications this but it really is in some respects uh kind of you know building a bridge to the to the indian americans that are here in the united states yeah i mean they have played an important role in this uh in in so many ways and but you know it's also at a time when the indian you know what had happened was that the relationship had been building up strongly since you know bill bill clinton you know restarted it after india's nuclear test in 19 98 and it built up particularly strongly under under president george bush uh but then uh and he pushed a, a sort of landmark like us india nuclear deal but basically after he left uh with the new indian prime minister then as his political position within india weakened 
And the U.S. itself, after President Obama came to power, uh, was very distracted with lots of other concerns, whether it's especially in the Middle East, but the rise of China, what's happening in Ukraine. So the, the, the relationship really frayed, actually, last few years. Uh, you know, India's economy also went down. Yep. So, so, so U.S. business became less enthusiastic about India. And the fact is that, uh, you know, in this day and age, unless uh, there's a strong underpinning of trade and c- commerce, uh, relationships are not going to go very far. So now with the new Indian Prime Minister, he's far more self-confident. Uh, there's a sense of putting the economy back on track. Uh, but he faces a U.S. president who's, who's a relatively weaker at her home. And so we have to see how and sort of where this goes. I guess from a political aspect then, Professor Kapoor, it is interesting because, as you mentioned, uh, Prime Minister Modi is new. Uh, obviously, he has been part of, of Indian government for quite some time. But in terms of being the prime minister, he's relatively new to this position. And President Obama is on the backside of, of his term as being the president of the United States. Absolutely. So I think... Uh, there is a sense also of trying to put the past like, behind and, and look in front because, you know, the two countries, it's not just that they share common values, but they share uh, uh, common interests, sure. uh, especially strategically. Uh, there have been, uh, especially on issues like intellectual property rights uh, and on issues of, you know, you know uh, uh, on, 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 on climate change, there are like differences between the two countries. Yep. That's why they need to engage and meet each other to iron them out. Professor Raju, then, uh, with this being a, a quote-unquote two-day visit to, to speak to President Obama, uh, how much importance should we put into that specific, that the fact that this is a multiple-day conversation that the President and, and Prime Minister are having about what, I guess, they would like to hammer out here in the near future in terms of future agreements? I think, uh, as Professor Kapoor mentioned, uh, there is the politics side of it, but there is also the business side of it. My sense is much of the visit, the value of the visit will come from the business side. Yep. And uh, Mr. Modi is making sure that that happens. We we are talking with Professor uh, and Raju and as well uh, Professor Devesh Kapoor, both of the University of Pennsylvania. We welcome them here to the studio today. Uh, there has been, obviously, Professor Kapoor, a lot of fanfare with the Modi visit coming over here to the United States. Uh, the question, I guess, is what can we realistically expect from the conversations with the president here in the, in the yesterday and today uh, going forward? Obviously, I don't know if we're going to get an immediate deal right off the gate, but if we see something done within the next couple of months, should we consider this to be a very positive trip? Yeah. See, I think part of of these engagements are really about rebuilding trust. Uh, and, uh, you know, and, and, and what you now actually have is a very... Uh, wide-ranging set of engagements between the two countries. So even as we're speaking, there's a series of military exercises going on between mm. the in, between India and the U.S. Uh, you know, that talks to one part of the cooperation. 
the two countries I understand are signing a large sort of energy cooperation uh, agreement mm-hmm. on especially non non conventional where the US will export especially solar cells like to India financed by Exim Bank which of course helps India which is a very energy deficit country and also helps in in curbing its carbon emissions so from from defense to energy but particularly i think the trying to rest the fears or the apprehensions of american business uh regarding uncertainties in the tax like you know regime uh, uncertainties in intellectual property rights uh trying to improve india's you know uh, infrastructure and more broadly the business or environment and obviously, there's a there's a factor. Of this, as you mentioned, uh, alluded to, uh, foreign investment uh, from the United States uh, within India, Professor Raju. That uh, I guess that, that the levels of foreign investment haven't been as high as they possibly could over the last decade or two. I agree with that. I think, uh, and Mr. Modi has made a case for specific areas where the U.S. could invest uh, in India, uh, for example, defense. Earlier, there was a bound on how much uh, ownership a U.S. company could have or a foreign company could have in the defense sector. Right. That has been raised to 49%, which is you know fairly high. Also, there is going to be investments in infrastructure, infrastructure in investments in other settings. Mm-hmm. Uh, power sector is, is a key area. So I think just changing the business climate you know businesses have to make decisions based on uh, based on business principles sure. and uh, and those principles are very simple i have other places to invest why should i go there right and i think india is going to be a better place to invest uh, mr modi has given significant incentives for manufacturing in india and he's has this campaign of make it in india uh, and you know sell it anywhere in the world but sure. make it in india and and i think that will help the manufacturing sector again create jobs so i think uh, i am very positive so then as professor kapoor kind of alluded to then the the building or rebuilding of the relationship is almost the most important part of this because that's almost the the launching point for everything going forward i agree with that i think it's it's not that the the american industry did not know about india they are already you know most of them have some operations in india for outsourcing sure. uh, many of their activities um, so it's not it's an unknown quantity right. i think it's just the question of what is the opportunity there right. and it's not just opportunity for back office work but it's opportunity for doing other things and seeing india as a market professor kapoor what is probably the most uh, important avenue uh, of this potential whole relationship that India needs the most right now? Is it the infrastructure? Is it the energy? What do you say? I, I mean, I think it's, uh, in some ways, it's really confidence. Okay. I mean, uh, last few years, I think the country had sort of lost itself confidence. And, you know, in the end, all investment is a bet into the future and the future always has its uncertainty so you know people have to have a, sh- a sense of confidence that yes things are are not right now it's not that you can build infrastructure in a day mm-hmm. but they have to have a 
confidence and that's where leadership matters, which instills confidence that the future will be better. So, and if you come and invest, you'll have opportunities and, and the future will be better as a result. I, I, go ahead. I, I, I'll add to that also is, is stability. Uh, stability in the political system, a little bit of uh, efficiency in the bureaucratic process. Mm-hmm. I think when bureaucrats remain in, in their positions for 10 years, they feel that they, they own the country, whereas you know, they are there to serve the country. And I think this attitude of better governance, service as opposed to owning, I think this all changes uh, changes things quite a bit, in my view. How, as a politician and as a leader and, and somebody that maybe could affect change, how good is Narendra Modi? Is he the right man to make all this change, or is this a process that may take a, a decade or, or two decades to get turned around? I I. I don't think it will take a decade. I hope it doesn't take a decade. You know, he has the political mandate of the people. Yep. People are looking forward to him to make changes. And and I think uh, that is that is just very important. You right. know, I think he's trying to energize the people. He's trying to energize in some ways uh, he's reminding many of us of uh, President Kennedy. He's, you know, asking yeah. each one of us to do something for the country. Yeah. And, and even if it is a very small thing, think of it as doing for the country. And I think that once that level of engagement comes in, I think things will happen. It's interesting you, you use the term energized because I've read a couple of articles uh, that basically have used the term he has a, a, a rock star mentality, which, you know, that high energy, that high, you know, trying to bring everything – I mean, it's interesting terminology to use for the president or prime minister of a, of a country. I think he he does he does he is able to communicate his message very well. He uses uh, you know he uses phrases that uh, simplify the message yep. uh, rather than complicate things, uh, and I think people like that in general. And India is a young country. You know, half the population is uh, 25 years or younger. And uh, people are just looking forward to some opportunities to do things for the country. Has there been a, a, a move in India similar to what we've seen here in the United States with the millennial group, uh, just basically making a, a lot of advances that we've seen that are going to be affected on the, on the United States over the next 50 years? Are we seeing that in India as well? Absolutely. It's a very young country. It's a connected country. In the sense that you know, people now have mobile phones across many parts of the economic strata, yep. and so people feel connected. People can talk to each other. I think uh, Prime Minister Modi used in his campaign some of the most modern tools uh, necessary to to win. Sure, uh, using social media, you know, using you know micro marketing methods that we've seen here being used in the previous election. It's a very, very well-run election that engaged the masses and also, uh, in in that process, energized them. Professor Kapoor, I want to get your opinion on, on Mr. Modi as well. Well, uh, slightly different take. You know, I think uh, what we have to understand is that India is a, a, a federal system and, and, you know, a bit like the U.S., where... Even, you know, as we see in the U.S., that the president can do only that much. Uh, And that is absolutely the case in in India as well. Uh, What I think 
we have to understand is that a, an individual needs to build it, have a team. And above all, I think that India really needs to invigorate its public institutions at large, the courts, the regulatory system. And all of that, India does face very severe challenges on human capital. Just uh, the capacity of the state to formulate policy and to implement. Uh, even an excellent like leader, however good she or he like might be, can only move things that far without having. So you know, in a sense, he's a conductor, but he needs the orchestra. <laughs> And for the orchestra, you need a wide, you know, it's a country of 1.2 you know, billion people. One person can't run it. Yeah. I, I kind of agree with Professor Kapoor, but I think he's underestimating the power of leadership. As, as business people, we know how much difference a leader can make and has made in countries across the world. So I think we can just agree to disagree on this. So... <laughs> Is there then is there one area where where you think uh, that uh, Prime Minister Modi needs to to enhance himself to to make him to bring him to that level that you're talking about? I think you know he is he is a good leader. He's led a state uh, very well for the last uh, fourteen years. Yep. You know he was the chief minister of a state, so he has leadership experience. That state has done very well economically. I think. Uh, so I, I think he has proven that uh, and and the business people understand that and so I think he also recognizes as Professor Kapoor said the power of the government is very limited you know it's the power of the people around the government yep. and one thing is to say well let me have a good set of ministers and I think he does but it's also energizing the business people in the business community, both small and large around around in the country. And I think they seem very energized. The people I've talked to in board meetings seem very energized with this new change. Mm -hmm. And I think he he also understands the need for uh, skill, skilled people in order for business to grow. And I think we know uh, a lot about what he's planning on that front in terms yeah. of Digital education in India, Digital India Initiative, these are very positive things. And as uh, what has been talked about uh, quite a bit here in the United States is the fact that the United States needs to increase, try and increase its exports. And obviously, to be able to come to agreements with India, that could really open that avenue up for the United States. Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, there are country level agreements and then there are business level agreements. And mm -hmm. I think he's made, he's trying to do both. Yeah. Professor Kapoor, obviously, as we were just saying, the, the importance on for the United States of coming to an agreement in terms of uh, uh, exports going forward is a very important aspect to what's being discussed in Washington. Absolutely. I mean, uh, in the sense that, you know, given India's size, if India grows uh, as strongly as it did uh, in uh, the mid-2000s, which is 7% plus, uh, U.S.-India trade is now around 100, 100 billion, and some studies suggest that if India grows for the next 20 years at this rate, I mean, this can increase in a multiple fold. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, so obviously, uh, the more the more rapid India grows, the more the scope for not just exports, but we should also understand that. In 
Indian investment into the U.S. has also grown very rapidly. Mm-hmm. Indian firms are substantial employers in the United States. So it's now much more of a two-way street rather than just the old idea of U.S. capital flows going into India. So then, Professor Kapoor, if we see agreements here in the next few months, who really does benefit the most from it? Does the U.S. benefit from having a a wider relationship in India, or does India benefit more uh, than the United States? Or is it mutual? I think... I think it'll only go strongly if it is mutual. Okay. I mean, I think that has to be the underlying basis of, of the relationship, that there are mutual interests and mutual gains. Professor Roger? I, I agree with that. I think the relationship is now mutual. Uh, I also don't want to underestimate the fact that these are the two major democracies in the world, and I think they, they yeah. respect each other. There are many, I am told there are many paths to prosperity, but I think both countries believe that democracy is the right path to prosperity. Right. And and I think uh, there is much more to be shared between the two countries in the future also. And, and, and as you mentioned at the top of the interview, we're talking about the oldest democracy in the world and the largest democracy in the world. Absolutely. So, there, so there's a lot of common ground right off the Absolutely. bat. Absolutely. I want to thank both of you for coming on the show today. I greatly appreciate the knowledge. Uh, Professor uh, Professor Papoor, uh, Kapoor, thank you very much. Greatly appreciate your time. Uh, thanks. You're very welcome. Great to have you, Professor Raju, as well. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.